Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone. And we will be celebrating Black History Month today with our guest, uh, Bob James, who we'll be introducing more formally in a minute. But first, a very special shout out to Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, you know I love you. Lead on, Yoshiko. And to my friends from the State Department around the world, you know, I cannot begin to tell you how much I love them. Richard Roberts is one of the best people, uh, period, and he is committed to the disability community in Okinawa, as is Ganyang Cho in Seoul, South Korea. As a matter of fact, I was in South Korea twice because I went back and spoke at the uh, Korean Congress about epilepsy and stigma. As all of my listeners know, you know I'm living with epilepsy and I'm not ashamed I'm living with epilepsy and neither should you no matter what the disability is. Uh, but Gang Young is awesome. Then you mean in Kazakhstan, Cheryl Harris in Tunisia, and now we are talking to Libya, and we have listeners around the world. That is awesome. And listen to me, even if there's only one person, it means so much. That's how it gets started, one person. So thank you so much for your support, and I have to thank... Hi, Mark, who has been the lead sponsor of this show now for five years, five years. And you know what? It goes all the way to the top. The CEO, and if you didn't hear it, go back and listen on demand. You can go to Spotify, Apple, or write to voiceamerica.com to hear the show with David Holmberg. It was awesome. That's how we kicked off the new year with the CEO, David Holmberg. And we have continued to have many guests from Highmark. I also want to mention uh, Morgan O'Brien, who made a contribution just to the show, just because of what an awesome person he is. So with that, as I was saying, I always tell people, Highmark sets the high mark for other companies to follow because of their incredible commitment to the employment of people with disabilities and training and quality of life and inclusion. And that is why it is such an honor for me to have Bob James who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, new, new Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Highmark Health. And before Bob says anything, I just want to tell you, I have known him for several years, and he is the real deal. Isn't it great when it's like that? You know, I don't like to go to conferences or Uh, listen to a radio show or TV show at an awards gala when you're thinking, wait a minute, does this person really even care about people with disabilities or are they just getting this award? Bob James really cares. You know what? He's hired people. He's done so many things. Uh, I just think so highly of him. Uh, And Bob, I must tell you, as we celebrate Black History Month It is a pleasure to have you with us. It's wonderful to be with you, Joyce. And as I hear you uh, talk about the fact that one person can make that difference, uh, you're an inspiration to me and you're an inspiration, I know, to your radio listeners uh, because you're one person who's made the change for so many. And, uh, And I appreciate you for that. Oh, thank you, Bob. Well, we're in it together, Bob. And you know what? Because we have listeners across the United States, around the world, I thought it might be good by you sharing with our listeners about you, you know, about your background before we talk about what you're doing right now. Yes, absolutely. 
I'm a native Pittsburgher, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here in the U.S. I'm what's uh, known as a boomeranger because I I uh, was raised in Pittsburgh, but I left and came back. But I lived near the Pittsburgh airport for any of the international travelers who may have been here. I went to high school here at a school called Swickley Academy. And I left for seven years to pursue uh, my education at Boston College and Georgetown University Law Center. And I had the opportunity to return to Pittsburgh to clerk for federal district court, court judge uh, Donald E. Ziegler, uh, very well known in the western uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and for Titus, Titus and McConaughey, as well as uh, West Penn Hospital that is now part of our uh, healthcare company. Um, I left for 17 years to go to the D.C. area, uh, where I worked for the federal government, the state government, and uh, for a law firm down there, and an entrepreneur as well. Uh, and I'd say each one of them had a diversity and inclusion twist to the opportunity. And finally, when my parents were aging, um, I was fortunate enough that Highmark uh, had a position open for Supplier Diversity Program Manager. And I thought it was a perfect fit. I loved uh, entrepreneurism. I loved healthcare. I was a healthcare lawyer early in my career. I was um, my family business that I grew up in was a healthcare business, and so I thought it was a perfect opportunity to really begin to um, do supplier diversity on a full-time basis. I had done diversity law uh, at a federal agency, but this time I actually had the opportunity to lead a program. Uh, for a major company, Highmark. And so it was a privilege to uh, to be selected for that opportunity. And that was uh, uh, about five and a half years ago. Well, thank goodness you came back here, Bob, or, you know, or I wouldn't have the pleasure of knowing you and you wouldn't be having this huge impact uh, at Highmark. And I'm sure it will reverberate nationally. But I have to tell you, Bob, you have such an impressive background. And let me tell you, when I say this person's humble, if you think, and I've known him all these years that he ever went through all those things with me, he did not. You have a very impressive background, Bob James. Of course, you would get this position. You're perfect for this position, Bob. So how about if we talk about that? This is new. You were newly promoted, and I'm very proud of you, as is everyone who knows you. Uh, But how about if you tell all of us about that new position, you know, what it entails, and then what it means to you? Absolutely. So, Joyce, and you mentioned my background. One thing I I enjoy doing is bringing all of my experiences, I, I have a few years under my belt now, and uh, education to bear in terms of really trying to um, uh, implement diversity and inclusion programs. So as Joyce alluded in my current role, I'm now Highmark Health Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. And in that role, I have the opportunity to implement and advise on Highmark Health's enterprise-wide diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. The opportunity to serve as Highmark Health's Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, it really fulfills a long-time dream of mine to be in a corporate equity influencer position to be able to help ensure visibility and engagement across diverse communities. It also provides the opportunity to drive our wonderful mission of creating a remarkable healthcare experience, freeing people to be their best by ensuring that Highmark has attracted the best and the brightest talent that's reflective of the diverse communities that we serve. Uh, thus, I guess you could say it unites two of my passions, Joyce. Uh, quality healthcare, as I mentioned, I grew up in a healthcare uh, family business and uh, I was a healthcare lawyer. Uh, and then diversity and inclusion. Well, Bob, in this new position you have, like what are some of the things you would be doing? I mean, in case someone listening is thinking, oh, that's something I'd be interested in doing. When you are in that role for, you know, a huge corporation, what are, what are some of the things you're responsible for? So I'm always championing uh, diversity and inclusion. That could be in the area of talent, uh, we'll call it people, uh, in the area of purchasing, 
that's uh, supplier diversity. I also champion uh, the area of philanthropy, uh, which will champion the area of community affairs, uh, health equity, uh, really ensuring that we're um, bringing to bear all the different uh, resources that we have that can impact equity and health equity across our enterprise. And as you know, Highmark Health is a large enterprise. We uh, consist of about 35,000 employees across our company. And we have, um, you know, we're, we're a, uh, a major player in the healthcare uh, business. And so uh, we're always looking to help where we can. And you probably heard our CEO, who, as you mentioned, uh, was just on, talk about the fact that one of the ways we know we can uh, help uh, is in the area of health equity. We're a healthcare company. That's one area that we can help. But in addition, we're able to help on the, on the talent side, and we want our talent to reflect the um, communities that we serve. And I like to give the analogy um, to, for all the baseball fans who are out there, um, uh, my cousin was married to Willie Mays, and so when you look at baseball or, or, uh, um, or football, um, you know, what would those sports have been without a Willie Mays or without a Franco Harris, the Immaculate Reception, for those of you who are Pittsburghers, the Immaculate Reception changed the brand of the Steelers forever. And so if you ask yourself, what would, what would that franchise have been without uh, those individuals? What would that sport have been without those individuals? It, it would have been very different. And they elevated those sports. They elevated their game. And so when you look at talent at a company like Highmark Health, we're looking to elevate our talent to the highest levels to drive our mission. So diversity and inclusion is aligned with our mission. And by driving uh, diverse talent, we also help to achieve excellence and quality of care. And we drive home that mission of ensuring a remarkable experience for our for our patients and members, freeing them to be their best. So that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I do and passionate about working for, for Highmark Health. And it not only applies to the talent and to the people, Joyce, but as you know, it also applies to our supplier, our supplier partners. We work to bring in uh, the best talent, you know, of all different backgrounds. Uh, we don't limit it. And that's why we have a supplier diversity program. We want to make sure we've touched all different communities because you never know who's going to have that that great idea and who's going to be that top performer unless you really reach across the different communities that are out there. And so that's what we've done over the years in, in supplier diversity. And as you know, we've had the opportunity to be recognized for, for that, um, uh, and, you know, in terms of being the best and, and uh, uh, as graded by our industry peers in the Americas. So uh, that's just one of the, one of the many ways that we have, uh, have really tried to uh, drive diversity and inclusion, but uh, and we've been similarly awarded, you know, many uh, awards, uh, many that are disability awards for many, many years, uh, and so that's something that we really have been honored to do, and something that we want to continue to do. Uh, having relationships with Bender Consulting for 25 years, you know, that's something that uh, that we hold near and dear to our heart, and. Our CEO being awarded the Tony Quello Award is something that is just, uh, you know, that's an honor. And it comes from, uh, I think, us doing what uh, is consistent with our mission and consistent with ensuring that we have brought the diverse talent from from every community into our enterprise. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the ADA, as you know, um, uh, we're now, we're going on 31st anniversary and and excited about IMARC's commitment, you know, for the 31, uh, iron 31 individuals uh, with disabilities. And that's something that, that we're passionate about as well and something that we're excited excited to deliver. And and that's with great thanks to the partnership that we have with uh, Bender Consulting and uh, what you do. So, oh, yeah, thank I you was so much. To, absolutely. I was just, thank yeah, you I was so much, Bob. But as I said, it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a uh, it, it, it's a two way partnership. But the value that you've brought, as you mentioned, I've had the opportunity to bring people uh, to work with me 
uh, from Bender Consulting. And as you know, I, I really enjoyed that opportunity. And, uh, and I'm one of the spreaders of the uh, gospel because, uh, you know, I'm a longtime believer that uh, it, takes, uh, it takes a village to, uh, to really ensure that we've got the best uh, company that we can have. Oh, it does. That is so true. And hi, Mark. Uh, everything you said is true. This company is unbelievable. At first, hi, Mark stood behind me to start the company 26 years ago. Bill Lowry at Blue Cross of Western Pennsylvania and then became Highmark. Every CEO after that, John Browse, Ken Milani, uh, Bill Winkenwerder, and now David Holmberg. All of them have stood behind Bender, all of them. And so does uh, Cindy Hunterfein at AHN Network. I mean, I just cannot tell you uh, Larry Kleinman, Deb Rice Johnson. I mean, I could go on and on and list everyone there at the company. Uh, Karen, Karen Hanlon, all across the board, everyone has stood behind employing people with disabilities. And my listeners know I have this saying where the rubber meets the road is employment. Don't tell me I'm nice, hire someone. That's where the rubber meets the road. And, and also, Bob, what you did with Bender with uh, supplier diversity. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I had the opportunity. Um, we have, well, I think it's one of the best mentor protege programs uh, in the country uh, that's dedicated to really advancing uh, our diverse suppliers like Bender Consulting. And so, uh, Bender, Bender qualified as a uh, protege in our mentor protege program, and uh, uh, we've had the opportunity to uh, help uh, ensure that we're looking across our enterprise for opportunities for staffing. But more importantly, we had the opportunity to partner with uh, our Commonwealth of Pennsylvania um, uh, customer in terms of ensuring that um, we were a driver of their mentor proje program. And so they had a Commonwealth mentor proje program and we brought vendor consulting on as a proje in that, uh, in that pilot that uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has done. So we're honored to have you in that capacity, Joyce, and we were honored to have you come to Harrisburg for the announcement with regard to the Commonwealth's Mentor Protege Program. And there's just one more step, I'd say, on our journey together to really ensure that not only does Highmark look to people with disabilities for opportunities, but that uh, uh, customers like the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania look also to uh, people with disabilities for opportunities. So we were excited to have you there and look forward to other opportunities like that. That was a true honor. And I will say to all people listening to the show, all business people, all people in supplier diversity, you understand that Bob included a disability-owned business enterprise. He is a good role model for you to follow. Because there are many disability-owned business enterprises across the United States, and they all need to be part of supplier diversity and what goes on there. And, you know, Bob, when you were talking about uh, all of these issues and diversity, as you well know, and why I wanted you on for Black History Month, because you are such a champion uh, and great example of the work you do for people with disabilities, in addition to all the other groups. But you are one that also understands intersectionality. So, you know, I have many people working or who have been hired at Highmark who are Black, but also have a disability. So I always tell people, you know, you can be Black and have a disability, you yeah. can be brown and have a disability, you can be Asian, you can be female, male, uh, you know, gender orientation, different sexual orientation. You can be from any group, any age, including Caucasian, and have a disability. Um, and 
Uh, I always say disability does not discriminate. It does not care who you are. You can have a disability. Do you know what I mean, Bob? Absolutely. You know, uh, having a disability is colorblind, and you're absolutely right. And and so, yeah, we've had the opportunity through uh, individuals that you've placed at Highmark to not only place somebody with a disability, but place somebody who may be, uh, may look a little different. They may be African-American in their race. And so you really help to drive diversity in multiple ways, as you said. Um, and, uh, and we appreciate that, uh, Joyce. We appreciate your, your colorblindness and your looking to uh, cross communities to help us to find uh, great talent and people who want to work, uh, people who uh, want that opportunity to, to be a part of uh, Highmark and what we're doing, what we're doing to bring change to healthcare. So I find it exciting. I, I'd be remiss, uh, Joyce, if I didn't mention that uh, this is the sixth consecutive year that we have won uh, Best Place to Work recognition uh, for people with disabilities uh, as awarded by Disability uh, IN. And so we're excited about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, we, as you know, we typically get the highest score uh, of 100, um, which we're proud of um, within the nationally recognized benchmark tool. So uh, just wanted to also highlight uh, that because that's something we take seriously and uh, we hope to have uh, our seventh consecutive year next year. And you know what? Once again, you deserve it across the board, employment, training, uh, you know, diversity. Uh, I mean, you just, you know, it's across the board. L, digital accessibility. I mean, there is a commitment across the board with Highmark. Um, and so, yes, you really do deserve that uh, award. And I'm not surprised. And I know that you will, again, receive that award. Uh, Bob, in, don't you think it is remarkable how there is this incredible love of hiring people with disabilities and of diverse candidates. Sadly, it isn't like that, or we wouldn't have almost 80% now of people with disabilities not counted in the workforce. Did you ever wonder, like, why is it like that at Highmark? You know, no, I view as one thing I... I'm proud of is the fact that I think that we have a desire to lead uh, in the area of diversity and inclusion, and I think we're always looking to do better, uh, to improve from where we were the year before, and to ensure that there's equity and recognizing that we can always learn, but at the same time, you know, delivering on results and outcomes, and so... I think that's what I'm proud of, uh, that we are a leader. And you, I think you may have heard uh, Reverend Cornell Brooks uh, during his uh, Black History Month presentation. We, we hosted, as you know, the uh, CEO, national, former national CEO of the NAACP. Who he spoke on uh, ensuring that organizations today have to lead in the area of diversity and inclusion. And so uh, what I'm proud of is that Highmark Health is a leader in diversity and inclusion, and you can see that even from our structure. So when you look at our board, you know, diversity and inclusion to be done right really has to, it has to flow from the top. And so you look all the way at the top and you see our board. We have a, one of the few uh, diversity and inclusion uh, board committees across the country, mm-hmm. uh, and that shows the commitment from the governing level. But then you also have our CEO and you have our CHRO. Mm-hmm involved in our Inclusion Advisory Council that convenes about 40 of our uh, top executives across our enterprise as well. And you have our Supplier Diversity Steering Committee. Uh, You have our CEO Diversity uh, Council. You know, just at every level, you see that we have an equity campaign, health equity campaign to ensure uh, that we're working on health disparities and mitigating those disparities. And so, uh, social determinants of health is an area that we are really actively um, delivering on in terms of food, and we have a center inclusion center of inclusion health working on uh, working with people with addictions, and so our ability to actually uh, bring all these different elements that 
impact, diversity, and inclusion uh, are really, it's really exciting, and I think we're doing it in a way that no one else is, and, and that's something that uh, makes me proud to be in the role that I'm in today. Yes, it, it, I, it, it, you're part of it, Bob. And with that, hey, you know, every week in on the half hour, we go to our news break, Advocacy Matters with Perry Jude Radisic. Perry, are you there? Joyce, I'm here. Thank you. How are you today? You know, I'm fine uh, and, uh, you know, happy to be talking about an important issue for the disability community. All right, let's hear it. Here are the news you have today. Nearly a year into our COVID-19 public health and economic crisis, we in the disability community are still waiting for the full support of Congress to meet all of our critical needs. Now, there have been several COVID relief bills that have been enacted, but those laws haven't stretched far enough for us to support home and community-based services, uh, providing stimulus payments to many people with disabilities who are considered dependent on someone else's tax return, and we still need additional rental assistance, help, and an extension of the moratorium for those who are facing eviction. So the disability community has gotten organized, and we've got these collective efforts now to push for our economic needs in this next COVID relief bill, and it's called, the bill is called the American Rescue Plan that was offered by President Biden. Now, the the plan has been split up into lots of committees, and so the committees are reviewing sections of the bill, and then the bill will be combined into one big uh, law called the Budget Reconciliation Bill. That's why we're hearing budget reconciliation, because these committees are combining all of the legislation into a budget reconciliation bill. And really, this has the best chance right now of being the right kind of robust proposal for the health of the disability community. Now, the American Rescue Plan is currently being considered by both the Senate and the House of Representatives. The House bill contains so many important provisions for the disability community, and this includes dedicated Medicaid home and community-based service funding. It includes an extension of SNAP food assistance benefits. They had increased the amount you can get, so this extends that increase. There's an extension of the federal eviction moratorium. There's a, they've going to temporarily extend unemployment assistance through August and the $1,400 stimulus payment will be made to more people with disabilities by making it available to those who are considered dependents on people's taxes. So we expect this House Budget Reconciliation Bill to pass uh, here in the next week. Uh, the battle is over in the Senate where any senator could try to weaken or scale back the bill. So at Advocacy Matters, the greatest risk right now is not for Congress to do too little, it's for Congress to not do enough to address our uh, health and economic crisis. So here's what we need, Congress to quickly pass the House Relief Bill, and we need to work on the Senate to include these same important provisions as the House bill. Now, how can you do that with Advocacy Matters? You can contact your members of Congress and urge them to pass the American Rescue Plan with these important provisions. How can you do that? Well, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, you'll find the links to organizations who have these action alerts. You fill in your name and address, and the message goes to uh, directly to your members of Congress. It couldn't be easier. So if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, look for today's segment, you'll find uh, your path to helping us uh, pass the right measures in the budget reconciliation bill. Uh, Perry, let me ask you, when you were saying about it's not about too little, it's about not enough, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say that? <laughs> 
So what I mean is previous packages have not included all of the provisions that will help the disability community through this crisis. So that's doing too little. Some members of Congress might argue that a $1.9 trillion economic relief package is too much now. And our argument at the, at the national and state level is that's not too little. It's got to be big, and it's got to have an impact on our community. Yes. How, how, how do you see our community uh, representation different from other groups? Do you see a big difference? What do you see? Yes. Uh, I, I do. Uh, so many other communities have these strong lobbying forces that get what they need in the relief package. And, and that's not to say that that money isn't deserved for those communities, but we can't be left behind anymore. And the president has put a proposal together and the House committees are uh, passing uh, pieces of this larger bill that will have more things for the disability community, and we have to support that. Yes, we do have to support that. Uh, and I just want to repeat again, Pennsylvania Disability Rights, Disability Rights of Pennsylvania. What is the website? Again, Joy? Perry? Yes, lis- listeners can go to www.disabilityrights.com pa.org and find this information and the action alerts to take action. And I always tell people when you go there, always remember there's a donate page and what they do in protection and advocacy, which I'm so honored to be on the board, but what this Perry and her team does to ensure rights for people with disabilities is so important. So don't forget about that donate button. And Perry, I will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, Joyce. Bob, there's so much to do, you know, for people with disabilities. So much to do. Yes. So much. Well, uh, Bob, you know, talk about where the rubber meets the road. Uh, As a black man, you certainly have seen things that, you know, to me, growing up in the 60s, you would think would be more reminiscent of the Ku Klux Klan, such as what happened to George Floyd. I swear to you, if there wasn't a car, yeah. that's what you would think, that these yeah. were Klan, Klan people or police officers that were part of the Klan. It, it, I mean, in the South, that, that to me is how absolutely reprehensible and shocking that was. And there have been so many, I mean, this is not the first time there have been, you know, over the past several years, so many uh, black, young black men killed, murdered from, uh, from police officers. And it's shocking. It, it's horrible. Uh, in, in addition to the terrible incarceration of young people and older who are black. But I wanted to ask you, because I really cannot put myself in your shoes. You know, when you've seen all of that, how, how have you dealt with that? Because I thought it was terrible, but I thought, yeah, it's terrible. But if I were black, what would it seem like? So, you know, how have you dealt with all of this? Yeah, I appreciate the question, Joyce, and I know you as a champion of equity uh, were as obviously as appalled as uh, so many of us were to see the unfolding of uh, of the events, you know, in 2020. And, uh, you know, we thought we had turned the, the chapter uh, or we're turning the pages to the next chapter, and here we were, you know, Actually, going back, it seemed in uh, in the book of uh, of America and across the world as it relates to race. And so, yeah, throughout my life, I've always tried to treat others as equals and to see others, no matter what community they come from, uh, as uh, as equal to to me and as people who have a equal uh, 
ability to be able to participate in things that life has to offer. And so uh, it was very challenging to watch some of the images, you know, that but for a cell phone we wouldn't have seen, uh, such as George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, and, you know, the list just continues. And when you saw the image, let's say, as it related to Ahmed Arbery, you know, it was uh, a point actually came where, you know, as a person who supports a family, you know, I would, didn't even know if I could walk in my own neighborhood. And, uh, and, and you know, that, uh, that's a pretty strong statement. Uh, in my life, I'd never felt that way or even given it, you know, much thought. But, uh, but you know, the images that we were on, seeing on TV of people kind of almost randomly being um, uh, shot or otherwise uh, assaulted were, uh, were that uh, scary. And so uh, it also brought into my consciousness just small incidences um, during my own life, you know, that uh, it, it brought those back up to a consciousness of, uh, of at times not being viewed as an equal, you know, solely due to the color of my skin. And so, uh, how do I deal with it? Uh, you know, I try to be as transparent as possible, you know, with friends like you and with your radio listeners and with uh, my colleagues at, at Highmark Health, uh, you know, about my feelings. And, and I try to listen to others uh, about their feelings. And I try to do as much as I can in the space that I'm in of diversity and inclusion as a influencer in that area to try to make the world a better place so that, uh, Hopefully, we can move forward in a way that uh, will make this a more equitable world. And so, you know, one thing I am proud of with regard to Highmark Health is that, you know, we've really, I think we're tackling this subject in, on a lot of different fronts. You know, as we mentioned a little bit on the people side, you know, we have a pledge to double the number of African-Americans in our enterprise workforce uh, over the next five years. And we're also on the supplier diversity front, looking to triple the spend with African-American suppliers over the, over a five-year period. Uh, we're looking at uh, philanthropic uh, opportunities such as the Advanced Leadership Institute uh, that, as you know, is a partner with Carnegie Mellon University to help uh, ensure that there's an executive presence in corporate Pittsburgh uh, as it relates to African-Americans. And so uh, health equity, we hired uh, Dr. Margaret Pettigrew, who I know you're aware of, who is our new chief diversity clinical uh, uh, inclusion equity officer, uh, the first uh, at Allegheny Health Network to help tackle uh, health disparities, health equity. And so uh, we have a health equity campaign that really looks at several different work streams to to really uh, try to ensure equity uh, in how we're uh, treating people and our suppliers and our philanthropy and uh, our community affairs. And so, you know, I'm I'm happy to see that uh, corporations have stepped up, not just uh, you know the social justice and on the police. Uh, um, front, but also in, in corporate Pittsburgh, you know, I think Highmark is making best efforts to play a leadership role in terms of uh, equity. And so, so that makes me proud. Yeah. Yeah, it does me too, Bob. So now here's the next hard question. How does a parent explain this racism and violence to a child, their child? Yeah, that is a hard question, Joyce. And, you know, I never imagined sitting down with my children at the dinner table uh, through a television screen that showed those inhumane images. Uh, you just never imagined that uh, uh, where they could see themselves in the individual. It conveyed the clearest of message with regard to inequity that exists in our society. And it wasn't just, you know, one incident. It was a spate of of incidents that were shown at multiple dinner uh, time uh, uh, sit downs. And so, you know, those images that go into a child's mind definitely warrant a frank conversation about race in America. You can't avoid it. And I never would have expected to have had to have that sit down. But unfortunately, my wife and I had to discuss, you know, how they should act, how they should dress, how to behave and basically how to stay alive in certain situations. You know, and we had to explain that to them at a 
at a young age and, uh, you know, really uh, almost making them grow up very quickly uh, to, uh, to the reality of uh, that they have as a black kid in America. And there, I think there's a limited playbook for this topic of discussion. So it's, it is hard. And uh, I pray and I hope that my grandkids won't have to see such images or have to uh, receive, we call it the talk. Uh, so, you know, that's why we work together. Joyce is a champions of equity. Uh, we work with, you know, at Heimark, we talk about it. We work to ensure that, uh, that uh, we're treating people fairly. And, you know, that gives us the hope and the faith that, uh, that we won't have to have this be the issue that it is in the next generation. I do too, Bob. And I, I'm sorry to say you aren't the only one. You aren't the only one that has had to have that talk and worse yet has been having it uh, just about racism. But this one, th- this was really absolutely terrible. And I just want to mention about Dr. Pettigrew. Yeah, she is like a, she's a doctor, medical doctor, and she's like a civil rights leader all combined. She is so awesome. And as you know, Bob, uh, once again, Latina with a disability in diversity, she yeah. hired Veronica Villalobos. So this just shows ongoing commitment, you know, to diversity. And one person that I have been friends with, oh my God, we're talking like in the 80s, is Doris Carson Williams, who is the head CEO of the African-American Chamber of Commerce. I mean, I just love her. I've known her so long. Uh, But she is on the board of Highmark, and she's over diversity. And what an honor it was for me to be asked to speak uh, at one of those meetings, uh, board meetings. But what influence do you feel she's had on you and on Highmark? Well, Joyce, I think we share a mutual admiration for the professional excellence that Doris has delivered over the years to so many diverse communities. Uh, you and Doris, I think, in my mind, are both heroes. And as you know, I, I don't use that term lightly. Um, with regard to Doris, you know, she's a, she's a true history maker. Uh, hands down, she's one of the most influential individuals in the Pittsburgh region and beyond having been an advocate for disadvantaged communities for decades. And as chair of our DNI or diversity and inclusion board committee at Highmark, she's, uh, she's actually our longest serving board member. Uh, and she's been a longtime champion of diversity and inclusion as well as supplier diversity for years. Uh, Doris elevated the issue of diversity and inclusion in the region and at Highmark. And in doing so, I would say put an attention on uh, on my activity. So when you ask how did she influence my activity, it was really by her putting the lens and highlighting the need to do more in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion from that governance level that really put the uh, focus on my activities first uh, in my role as supplier diversity uh, program uh, diver- uh, director and now as a chief inclusion, diversity and inclusion officer. So I can unequivocally state that in my five-plus years at Highmark, that Doris has always been extremely supportive in the programming and activities that uh, Highmark Health has delivered. And her passion, her track record of delivering change and equity in corporate Pittsburgh, I would say, you know, probably since the 80s and before, is uh, is probably unparalleled. So uh, I... I can't say enough positive things about Doris and the influence that she's had uh, at Highmark uh, and um, and across uh, across America for the things that she's done. She's known across America. She is, and she is a wonderful person. She's a great leader. And here's for my listeners, if you know Doris, I'll bet you didn't know she has a technology background. When I met Doris... She was an information technology manager at Dollar Bank. So not only is she astute in the community, she has 
a private sector business background that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Um, okay, well, I we we both we're both her fan club. I see Bob. Um, so Bob, that brings me to a very big question: Who is your role model? Because so you had to get this great way that you are either from someone now or someone you've admired. Uh, who is your role model? Oh, I appreciate that question, uh, Joy. So, yeah, my father, hands down, was my role model. Uh, my mom, too, but, uh, but my dad, uh, you know, being, a, uh, being his son and a male, I think, uh, was my role model in terms of uh, uh, who I wanted to be like. Uh, he was a family man. He had integrity. He was intellectually gifted. Uh, he was a person of faith. He always treated everyone the same, no matter what their lot was in life. He was a man who, despite the limitations of the times he lived as a black man, he saw no ceiling when it came to touching the lives of his patients as he was a family physician. Uh, and he found, he, you know, even during those times, found a way to pursue his passion. Uh, as a physician and touched the lives with that passion uh, in such a great way that I think he left his mark indelibly on the community that he served. So hands down, uh, it was, it was my father. And, um, and I have to say that, you know, I also view you and I view Doris as, uh, as role models as well for the selfless good that you do on behalf of those uh, who are less fortunate, those who may not be visible to, uh, to many. And, um, and so, yeah, I definitely view you as a role model as well, Joyce. Well, Bob, that is so nice of you. Um, and I can tell your father, j- just hearing that whole story, had a tremendous good impact on you. And that not that a wonderful thing to say? So, Bob, um, before you, we end the show today, I have to ask you, what are your hopes? What do you hope to accomplish in this new role of yours at Highmark? I'll be happy, Joyce, and we're well on the way to doing it. Uh, I want to ensure that enterprise-wide, we're looking to across all communities to attract the best talent. And at the end of the day, I'd like to have achieved our mission of delivering a remarkable healthcare experience to our patients and members by having assembled the best talent and supplier partners to find greater health equity. I'll be at peace when we accomplish these goals well bob then i know you'll be at peace and i know you you are going to shake everything up there at highmark i have no (laughs) doubt about that bob you are just going to keep on moving up with everything that you're doing Um, i believe you will bring more diversity inclusion across the board including for Americans with disabilities in employment, you know, just in quality of life. Because, you know, Bob, I always tell people, until you have a job, until you are employed, you really don't have freedom in this country. You can't buy a car. You can't live the American dream until you have competitive employment. That is why at Bender Consulting Services, as my listeners know, we work across the United States to find employment for people with disabilities. And every time I go speak somewhere, Bob, I always say, you may not know this, but your job is a treasure. You have a treasure you may not realize. You know what that is? Yes. You're employed. Do you know what I mean, Bob? Yes. People forget about that. Absolutely. 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 And as you, as I know, we've talked in the past, you know, in the midst of COVID, uh, I think people don't uh, always realize the importance that of that and having that job. And obviously those with disabilities are looked upon um, uh, and it's even harder for them to find that, that opportunity, that job opportunity uh, at a time like this. So uh, I can't thank you for what you do, Joyce, and you're that one person that you often uh, reference who can cause a change for many, and uh, you uh, truly have been um, a change agent in our region and across the world, and I'm 
there to support you in any way I can. I'm proud to support you with uh, with my company, Highmark Health, and look forward to continuing to find opportunities for people with disabilities at Highmark Health. I know you will. And if you did not catch it, listeners, Highmark 3030, last year, 30 people hired with disabilities through the pandemic. One person with quadriplegia, one person who is blind. Let me just tell you, there would have been, they wouldn't have found employment. And as I said, a job, a job means freedom. And Bob, you are a champion to me. Bob James is the newly promoted Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Highmark Health. Bob, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate you having me and look forward to uh, connecting with you in the near future. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Don't forget that name, Robert James, Highmark Health, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Just watch. Just watch what he'll do. Um, And with that, before we end the show today, we always end with a quote, and especially in Black History Month, the future rewards those who press on. I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I don't have time to complain. I'm going to press on, said President Barack Obama. Obama. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. I look forward to talking to you next week with guess who? The newly appointed by the president, chair of the National Council on Disability, Andres Gallegos, next week on Disability Matters. Talk to everyone then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.